since 1906, Hill & Marks has been a distribution powerhouse in upstate New York. Their mission is more than moving a product off of a shelf. It's a commitment to safety and well-being. Since 1906 is about how every employee is family. Every delivery makes a difference, and each customer is home. This podcast shares what makes a third-generation, family-owned business into a well-known industry name. This is Since 1906. All right, so this is an extremely exciting day today. For Since 1906, we are officially launching our first episode. And not only are we going to have amazing conversations with industry experts, but today we have a very special guest, the guest to tell the Helen Mark story. And it's none other than, drum roll please. Stop it. Jason Packer, the CEO of Hill and Marks. Woo! Thank you, Katie, Yay! for having me. Big deal. This is a huge deal. <laughs> We're so excited to have you and to have this conversation about the family business. I'm excited to be here for this. I know. Can you believe it? I mean, 115 years old, and we're going to get some insight from the person that's been in the family for how many years have have you guys owned this business? Our family's owned this business about 70 years. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay, so 70 years of insight, everyone. So I kind of want to start at the very beginning. So tell us some of the Hill and Mark story in history, starting with your grandparents, your parents, and then now you. What is that story? I would love to tell you that story. I'm very passionate about that story. <laughs> and when I get asked that question, uh, a lot of things come to mind. But um, I want to start with my great-grandmother. So my great-grandmother was the first entrepreneur in our family. She was, she saw my great, my great grandfather was a glove maker. And she saw that and said, I'm not interested in doing that glove making thing. Um, I want to do something different. So she said, I'm going to start my own business. Wow. So she um, recruited my grandfather and his twin brother, Charlie. So it was Harry and Charlie. And they went out and they peddled candy in front of the movie theaters. Like, you know, People eat candy in the movie theaters these days. Well, yeah. they were like the first to do that. They were the pioneers they of candy the pioneers. at theater. So I can blame them for my Sour Patch exactly. while watching. Okay. Yes. All right. Now I know. So my <laughs> grandfather was known as the candy man. Um, oh, cool. And um, so they did that. And my grandfather and his brother went to the war, World War II. And when they came back, they were starting families. And my great-grandmother said, well, you know, You've got big families. Now, there are four brothers, and you need to go find yourself something else to do because I can't support all of you. So my grandfather bought Hill and Marks um, in the 40s, and his brother, his twin brother, bought Westfeld Candy Company, which was in Troy, the Troy area. And then his younger brother took over the mothership, Finkel Distributors. Oh, wow. And so he took that company, which was originally an ice cream making company, and turned it into a they had sold that business off to seal test which was a big big company and um he got into candy so he sold the candy that he was selling with his grandmother with his mother and tobacco and went peddling uh in his station wagon from five and dime to pharmacy shops oh his stuff and didn't did come he do home. it in the winter months too in the winter months and he didn't come home oh, until boy. that <laughs> station wagon was empty so he was a very hardworking guy, came home at you know, 9 o'clock at night and, and grew that business and grew it really into a really strong reputation. And then 
you know, the family he felt was really important. So he recruited my mom and my dad and my uncle. And they came into the business in the 70s. And so my dad and and my mom and my uncle kind of looked at the business and said, well, we're going to have to change it. Just like we went from ice cream to candy and tobacco, we're going to have to look at this because Walmart's in town. Mm -hmm. This little company called Walmart was was wow. building itself at that time. <laughs> and they were selling to Walmart's competition and they were saying, uh-oh, this, is, this isn't good. So they started building a new business plan, which was to get out of the candy and tobacco business and into the food service disposables and cleaning supplies business. So they built this plan and started to acquire businesses across the state, New York State, and you know, built a really strong business and we now service the whole state. So fast forward to today, I came into the business about 12 years ago. I was living in Washington, DC, having a grand time with my <laughs> wife I had met, girlfriend at the time, and I got calls from a couple of people here and they said, you know, there's a great opportunity here, you should consider it. I had just finished my MBA. And so we decided after we got married, like two months after we got married, we moved here to Albany, New York, where we live. And then Amsterdam is about, would you say, 30, yeah. 40 minutes Yeah, 35 west. minutes. Yep. And, um, and I joined this company with the thinking, like, I'll give it two to three years, see if I can handle working with my family. <laughs> and so it's been 12 years, and it's been a really, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's a really hard business. There's there a lot of competition. There are a lot of dynamics in running a distribution company from trucking to warehousing to marketing to selling to HR to the family. There's a lot, but it's been really gratifying. I love being a part of this community, this Amsterdam community and the greater New York, upstate New York community. And it's been such a amazing ride. And so my long-winded answer to your short question is we built this business over about 114 years now, and we're investing and looking at all of the things we can do to make this a strong, stronger foundation, take the foundation that was developed over all of these years from my parents and my uncle, my, my grandfather, and Mr. Hill and Mr. Marks, <laughs> and, um, and take it to the next level and keep it going. So. Oh my God, what a rich history. I can't believe all the different facets and all that you guys started just as a candy and ice cream cone distributor. And then now we are a massive distribution powerhouse. And that's all to like the hard work of your family and obviously this awesome community that we have here. I know you mentioned your great grandmother being like an entrepreneur. We love an empowered woman. And also your grandparents and your mom, who I worked closely with, is so inspiring to me. So what impact would you say your grandparents and parents had on your business aspirations and goals? Well, I would say our dinner table was <laughs> like 90% talking about business and then 10% yeah, talking about that. other things. <laughs> I was going to ask. So there was a lot of talk about business and learning about the business and business in general and a passion for it. Um, my sister wasn't so interested, so the other 10% was her <laughs> talking about what she was interested in, and I always like wanted to hear what they were talking about. And then my grandfather just, you know, it was always do what you're passionate about, like what you're interested in, follow that. But my grandfather took me, actually I took him. At some point when he got older, he couldn't drive the car without getting into a little 
fender bender. So my mom kind of took me aside and said, I need your, you to drive your grandfather around this winter. So he wouldn't stop, though. He didn't want to just stay he home. He didn't want to stop. He was like, I would like you to drive me. When he was in his 80s, yes. Wow. He was wow. out selling, and I would drive him to his customers. He would introduce me to his customers. And we'd stop for lunch. He would get his tuna fish sandwich, and then no. we would go on and what come back. What great memories. Oh. Yeah. He was a fantastic hardworking people loved him and I that was my role model he was kind of the reason he was the reason I wanted to come into this business yeah oh my gosh that's Fantastic so awesome person. that's beautiful yeah thank you that really is <laughs> so I know you mentioned you guys talked about the business at the dinner table I was going to ask is it possible to separate the family and family business like is it the conversation during holidays and like you said at the kitchen table is it or is it just normal like it's part of the day-to-day like you guys talk about other things but no like for your family you guys were so passionate it was we, kind of the core conversation. Yeah, I mean, growing up, sitting at the dinner table with my grandparents and my parents and my uncle, it was yeah. definitely a lot of it. But I think today my wife really tries to help us separate uh, <laughs> church and state. <laughs> yep. <laughs> let's enjoy the kids and let's enjoy our family and let's keep the business at the at the door. But it comes up. We talk. There's, there is, to your point, there's a lot of passion there about it. And it's say. hard because it's so part of our lives every day yeah. to separate it. But we, we do. We're mm-hmm. going on vacation there to, go. to have a good time together and try not to talk too much about it. But. Try not to end up on any conference calls with the leadership <laughs> team. Right. I know. Well, I think that's really funny, but it is hard to talk about, to not talk about something that you're passionate about yeah. because it just it's top of mind it's what you want to speak about it what it's what fills you up it what makes yeah. you feel alive so yeah. i think it's awesome that what you're so passionate about is something that your family is so ingrained in yeah and you guys have such an impact on not just your family but all the employees or the community that we're involved with the people that and the customers that we serve so you mentioned that obviously you were very aware of the family business growing up and you did find yourself on a journey into D.C. and maybe you weren't 100% on board with coming here and you were only going to give it two to three years, see how you felt. Was there interest earlier on before you like kind of decided you wanted to go off to college that you were like, maybe I'll take over the business one day or maybe mm-hmm. I'll start working here? How did you really decide or was it when you had a family and you decided like this is the right move for our family? Well, my first job at Hill & Marks was opening mail. <laughs> <laughs> And I think my second job was filing papers. and um, Admin work. Yeah. And then I ended up in the warehouse stocking the shelves. I think always in the back of my mind, it was, well, there's that business. And I really thought it was interesting. and But I really want to try this. It's really interesting to me also. Like politics is very yeah. interesting to me also. As life developed and I wanted to have a family with my wife and we wanted to be closer to family, it started to become more interesting. And I think it was just kind of of timing. It was like, this is the right time to do this. And I didn't think earlier on I was ready for it. I wasn't Mm -hmm. mature enough. I wasn't um, interested in really leaving a bigger city. But now I love this small town. I love Albany where I live and I love Amsterdam and, and I love the people that I work with. And I, that 10 years of not being here as a professional really created the appreciation for all of the people I've been able to connect with here because there's just something about a smaller town. There's this, this connection, this authenticity and genuine, like we want to take care of each mm-hmm. other feeling that I didn't have in the first 10 years of my career. 
and I really appreciate Especially it Especially in more. politics, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, <laughs> Loving support you get in politics. But. There's a lot of, there, yes, you hit it on the nail. <laughs> I won't go deeper There is that. something to be said about living in a small town, though, like knowing yeah. the people that are your neighbors. And there's also something to be said about living in a big city, too. But I don't know. I thought I would be a big city gal. And then yeah. I, you know, ended up here. And I love working at this family-owned company. Yeah. I would much rather work for family-owned business than I think ever corporate after yeah. having this experience. So I do think there's something to be said about living in a small town, having roots and being able to grow and you have all that support. Like there's yeah. just so much support. All right. All right. So we discussed how you started your journey here. This is kind of going to be a good question because now you're CEO. Yeah. When I, I know that you went through multiple roles. So you started literally started at the bottom now we're here yeah. <laughs> now you're the ceo you went yeah. from opening up mail to now being the ceo like what steps did you feel that you took to be ready to be the ceo of helen marks and how is that transition going that's a really good question i'm sure um, it's complex i'm sure there's many layers we might not be able to share them all like no. an onion there's lots of layers yep i think that my whole i mean i think anybody's life you're kind of going in a direction and you don't really know the the path that it's going to end where you're going to land I mean if you ever read Steve Jobs book I mean he started out in, in all kinds of different ways that that led him to become CEO of one of the biggest companies in the world and I think just the journey takes took me in different ways uh, different different places I think the preparation came from uh, trying new things like I, I tried a lot of different jobs I really did and it started in college. It started in high school. It started in college. Like I had internships. I had jobs. I worked for a, a pizza shop in college. I worked for a congressman in college. I worked for Sunglass Hut in college. <laughs> I worked for, and I got to see all the different management styles and all the different ways of doing business and how, you know, what does good leadership look like and what does not such good leadership look like and what can you learn from that those experiences. And I realized that some of the things I saw, I never would want to replicate in my experience here. And I think that when I landed at Hill & Marks, the, the mentorship I received uh, from people here really helped me become a good leader. I think mm -hmm. that Jim Izano, who's our, who's our former VP of sales, he was my first mentor. Mm -hmm. He's still my mentor. Yeah. I'll never let that man <laughs> go away. And, and, um, he's on your emergency contacts. He is my emergency. <laughs> he is my, he is on my back phone. And, um, he's you know, the number you know by heart, even in this day and age where you don't know numbers oh, by I know heart his anymore. <laughs> I know where he lives. Um, so, I think, I think it's really a lot for me. It's been about the people. Like there, this business community in, in the capital region is really tight. Mm -hmm. And I've reached out to a lot of the, the business leaders in the area, like Gary Dake and I from Stewart sit down and talk. And Jerry Golub was there to talk to me, who's, who is CEO of Price Chopper and Market32. And all of these people have given me their experiences on succession planning in a family business and how to mm -hmm. run a, a good, you know, local business and I never stop trying to get that information and try to get that experience from people and that I think is the, the most important I, I belong to different groups like there's a, a group that shares information in our industry there's a net share group mm -hmm. uh, we belong to network services so we, we Shout talk. Out network. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and we share a lot of our best practices and um, 
and I couldn't have learned this industry as quickly as I did without those people. The CEOs across the country from Hawaii to California to New York City to Texas. I mean, there's all the experience I gained from those people. And I belong to a Vistage group and we share uh, best practices, CEOs together. I mean, it's just really being open and to learning mm-hmm. um, is, is really what, what helps me every day grow and, and got me into this position. I think I'm lucky, I'm very fortunate to have a family that's entrepreneurial and wants to keep this business moving, mm-hmm. moving forward, so. Well, I will say as a CEO, and I'm not sucking up to all the <laughs> listeners, but you are a very approachable CEO. I don't feel, you know, super intimidated. I feel like I can talk to you and come to you. And I feel like that is amazing leadership because it allows people to feel safe to grow. And you trust people to make decisions, even if they fail or not fail, you trust that they are going to be able to do what you hired them to do. And that gives people just a sense of freedom to to not live in, you know, this fear every day, like, oh, no, oh, yeah. am I going to do something oh, yeah. wrong? Instead, you have, you're channeling that energy into, like, oh, no, I have such a great idea. Like, let's see. We can do it. For instance, this podcast. Oh, yeah. Right <laughs> yep. <laughs> so there we go. Full circle. Full circle <laughs> moment. I've been only been here for six months, and I totally see you as an incredibly approachable CEO. Like, I feel like even the first, like, we had, like, a 30-minute phone conversation, and I was like, I feel like I know him now. Like, this is, <laughs> like, so just piggybacking off of what Katie said, like, this environment, you've created a very welcoming warm environment mm-hmm. so good and that i appreciate you hearing that from both of you and i think that from my perspective i don't want to be working in an environment where people feel like i'm Higher top value. down yeah. telling everybody what to do i'd rather have a collaborative working together i see everybody as an equal to me rather than um in a lot of organizations it's you know i'm i'm the head of the organization i'm going to tell everybody what to do and i really want people to be feel empowered i'm glad i that you said that because i want people to feel like they can make those decisions you know scrape their knee a little yeah. bit dust themselves off and go back at it again and and learn from those experiences and and teach me because mm-hmm. i learn a lot from our employees all the time i listen because you all are doing a lot of the work mm-hmm. and i can't help lead an organization without that information. So I I think talking to everybody is really a big part of Yeah, you make it a point to to have individual conversations with everyone from our drivers to new hires to existing employees. I mean, people say there is longevity here. Like there is tenure, there is people want to say, I thought I was going to be a typical millennial. Like (laughs) I'll be here for a year and then I'll jump job, you know, job hop to the next place. But now I'm here four years and I'm really excited about being in the tenure club one day. Like that's a goal of mine. So I think that is just like all shows how you guys created this like awesome environment. And you said, you had these mentors and you had all these people that you lean on on how to run a successful local owned business. And I think just the fact that it does feel like such a community outside of here as well, like this this capital region and then also within this company too. So I feel like all that advice that you're getting and all those meetings, whatever you're doing, you're doing a great job. Thank you. I will say, so you said Jim, who we love. We love yeah. Jim. He's a great guy. We should get him on the podcast We one should. Day. He's fantastic. Yeah, he would be, yeah, yeah, he'd be pretty fun to have on the podcast. But make sure in, you've got bourbon and a cigar. Yeah, we'd friend. have to make sure there's a cigar <laughs> and some bourbon and maybe the Yankees on in the background. Right. So you said that he was a mentor to you. Also, obviously, your family and your yeah. parents were mentors and your grandparents. Yeah. How much advice have they given you on how to run this company, you know, with them stepping back a little bit? And I know that there's different management styles, so yeah. I'm wondering, like, what that experience is like and yeah. and just interested to hear more about that. Yeah, there's. I think um, after somebody's run a company like ours for 40 or 50 years, it's very difficult to step back and yeah. say, hey, next yeah. generation, 
here are the keys, let's move on. <laughs> we have board meetings, we have a lot of conversations with, with other advisors to help us with the family dynamic and transitioning is the word I'm looking for from one generation to the next is like the, the statistics of going from G1, generation one to generation two, they're not spectacular, but not bad. Mm-hmm. Going from generation two to generation three gets worse. <laughs> and so, so, the, so the challenge is real. It's very hard it, because my style is much different than my mom and my dad and my uncle. And so trying to get comfortable with that for them is, uh, has been a challenge. We've had a family business advisor. We've had support from the leadership team, a lot of support from the leadership mm-hmm. team to help us you know, work that out. But ultimately, you know, the results speak for themselves. Yeah. Our company continues to grow. Our team continues to get stronger. And the recognition in the community and in our industry and by our customers continues to get stronger. We were awarded a top workplace in the Capital Region. So that's just backing up your point there. Woo-woo. Yep. And that's from employee surveys. So that's from our employees anonymously. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be clear about that. Anonymously <laughs> writing in their opinions about how it yeah. feels to work here. So I think that was huge. Yeah. And that just goes to show like you guys are working together through yeah. this tough transition I mean yeah. it's, it's how do you let go of something you love so much you right. know like you said there's so much passion behind this that yeah. of course you guys are going to have those yeah tough but exciting conversations yeah. and you mentioned you know having different management style or a different mm-hmm. way of going about certain things and that also comes with the times too like as you know the, the world evolves so does all the different types of management styles and all that good stuff so when you have a vision or an evolution that you want to t- bring to this company how do you get buy-in from the fa- your family members, mm-hmm. if it's a different or new idea, mm-hmm. like how do you go about like approaching that conversation? Do you have that conversation, or do you just go with the new? <laughs> do you <laughs> say we'll, we'll apologize later, we'll ask for forgiveness instead of permission? There might be a little bit of both, yeah. but I think with my dad, he's a former accountant, so numbers mean oh. a lot, right? So data, yep, lots of information. Engaged to an accountant here, <laughs> <laughs> so you can appreciate okay, the struggle. So, um, so I think when there's a big idea and there's a big project or there's a big opportunity, the flow of information is really important. Gathering research, and it's not only good for the convincing of the board, i.e. my mom, my dad, my uncle, but it's also really important to have a good plan. Mm -hmm. It's also really important to be able to explain to your leadership team who then has to explain it to the rest of the employees this is the direction we're going and this is why we're going there Mm -hmm. so that everybody can get behind it. So, you know, some of these plans are slower and some of these plans happen instantaneously. So like COVID hits, right? Yeah. And we look at our numbers and we say, hmm, okay, so we're about to lose 30% of our revenue. That's pretty scary Mm -hmm. for a company our size with what we do. You can't just like shut down a warehouse. So what are you going to do? And I said to our team, all right, let's look at this. Number one, we're not firing anybody. Mm -hmm. We're not cutting people. We're not furloughing people. We're not cutting pay. We're not cutting operations. We're going to figure this out. And they did because we found ways to take the stuff we had in our warehouse and move it into places that needed it. So we had toilet paper. Mm -hmm. And one day I said to our purchasing team let's up that uh, order on toilet paper and they're like are you sure yeah. <laughs> and I said I am very sure and CFO Ray says 
Jason, there's a lot of toilet paper that's about <laughs> to come to this warehouse in about a week. And if you don't have a home for it, it's not going to fit in this warehouse. Oh, and I oh said, give gosh. me a week. We'll get rid of it. I promise. That's another accountant. That's, yeah, the accountants can be scary when they are. <laughs> and so within two days, that toilet paper was sold. And within a whole pandemic, we sold 40 tractor trailer loads of residential little, you know, Cottonelle toilet paper, yeah. type, type uh, toilet paper. And then it came to face masks. Like people yep. said to us, we need face masks. And we couldn't really find it until we started really talking to friends and actually having a conversation with people in China. And we were able to bring in a million face masks all at once. Wow. We had it all sold by the time it got here. But that was, that was all due to really doing the research, really talking to customers mm -hmm. quickly because this was happening within hours and minutes and days and bringing that product in, getting it out, but really moving quickly. A big part of what happened during the pandemic was like a lot of other companies, a lot of other leaders and a lot of other, other people in, in different industries, we were working a lot of hours, like early mornings, late nights, weekends, yep. and to, to really make sure that what we What was time this, at that point? There was you know, no time oh, yeah. for sitting. Yeah, we were our, home, there yeah. was no, it was just all day, every day. Exactly. I got to see my family more, and we had to have dinners exactly. and breakfasts and lunch together. But but it was it was just a lot of quick moves. So that's a short term. That's like short term. Quick decisions. I had I was on the phone yeah. with my dad, our head of purchasing, Bill Miller, and our CFO. And we said, "Okay, are we gonna buy all these masks?" And my dad's like, "No." <laughs> and Bill's like, "We already said we're buying the masks." <laughs> and Ray's saying, "We don't have. We can't just put out money to these people we don't really know." And we just made the decision. We went forward, and we uh, took we a paid, risk. We we took some risks, and and they paid off. Yep. And so I'm proud to say we're here. We didn't cut anybody's pay. We didn't cut anybody, and Thank we grew you. our employee base from about 160 people to we're about 180, 185 today. Yeah. Um, and that's within that's a year and a half. That's so, amazing in the middle of a pandemic when people were losing their jobs, not only to make sure everyone still had the same amount of pay, no furlough, none of that, and then also to add on employees. Like, that's a huge story. That's a huge success. And that all starts at the top with you guys making these really tough decisions, yeah. but you had to make them quick. It's like an Armageddon. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you have to do the one, you gotta, you gotta do it quick or else yeah. it's not gonna be a good outcome. So, we had these meetings, these like leadership meetings every single day at, I don't remember, eight o'clock in the morning maybe? Yeah, I think and I joined a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> They were meant to be like hour long meetings. Somehow they went from like eight to noon some days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were intense and but we were very focused. Very focused. Laser focused. Yes. And so was our sales team too. When they did yeah. get the initiatives like, Hey, we have toilet paper, like yeah. you gotta find a home, they were like, Okay, we'll do that. Like the yeah. masks, they like sold a million masks. So yeah. it was a whole like you guys said, it started with the department heads and then it was communicated to the entire team and we yeah. all were on a mission. We had yeah. one collective thing that we needed to do and that was to keep the ship afloat and also yeah. to help you know facilities stay safe and healthy because that's yeah. what our whole thing is. It's We're more than just moving product off the shelf. It's about yeah. giving people what they need to stay safe and healthy. So yeah. I started as a remote employee. I started like fully remote during the pandemic and yeah. I didn't feel any disconnect. It was, it was I didn't that's feel huge. any, yeah, I didn't feel any like, I didn't feel like I wasn't part of a team. I felt like 
if anything, it was like having people be more accessible because they were all we were all home. It wasn't yeah. like a, oh I'm like on an island by myself. Yeah. Like it, it didn't feel like that at all. It felt like I was you know working for a family-owned company, part of a family, even yeah. though I was home. So there's a lot to be said for growing the employee base during the pandemic because yeah. I know I know you were passionate about making sure that I, I I and everybody that got hired remotely felt like they were part of the team, and I absolutely did 100%. So. So I feel like, so this is an example of like when you guys, you had an idea and you had to make a decision really quick and get buy-in from your family and also yeah. the, the leadership team. And, and then you also, if it's more of like a long time, long-term plan, you kind of provide them like a structure, a process, this is the yeah. data, this is, you kind of lay it all out for them. And then that's how you guys come to those decisions as far as implementing some of that. So I'll give you the second example I was thinking okay. about <laughs> this year. So the second one is we just recently signed an agreement with an organization called the New York State Industries for the Disabled. And so we got introduced to Maureen O'Brien, who's the CEO of NICE, this NICET organization, from a gentleman named Greg Sorrentino, who runs Center for Disabilities. And NICED delivers products all over the state and they, wear, they warehouse and they deliver products all over the state. Um, and these are products that are developed and built and put together by disabled people. And, um, and she came to us and said, and Greg introduced, and, and he's on their board, and he said, and she said, we don't, we're not in the business of distribution. We want to get out of that business of distribution. Can you help us? And so we started talking, and we, developed, we started developing game plans. And then I said, oh probably have to tell the board that we're going to be <laughs> investing in this. So we started developing a game plan and how much we're going to have to invest in racking, we're going to have mm-hmm. to invest in equipment, we're going to have to invest in people or time and, pe- and making sure we put this process together. So um, so we sat down, we, we put the plan together, we presented it, and there's pushback. There's you know good pushback, like, yeah. well, do you really need this racking and, and, and why do you need this racking? And good it helps questions. us think through like, okay, well maybe we can do a little bit more in terms of, we have a lot of inventory and Mm -hmm. maybe we can get rid of some of this inventory that's been sitting there for (laughs) decades. And so start- tobacco. (laughs) (laughs) We can get rid of these lollipops. But but we we started doing that and and those questions helped make us more efficient, helped make this process a little bit easier. So yeah, so that dialogue is is good, can be, there can be good debate. So yeah, so coming to the table with, with, with the vendors, talking about, well, why do you need that racking? Why do you need that equipment? And how is that gonna help us uh, handle this business? So now we're now it's coming to fruition. Yeah. The racking co- is coming on Monday. Mm-hmm. The equipment is already here. We launched at the end of June. And really you got process. buy-in. Ultimately, got you got buy-in. buy-in. We got you buy-in. You got the buy-in that you and needed. And today, Dad came in and said, so when's the racking coming yeah. in? What's going on? So And um, now they're fully bought, and they're like, let's yeah. give us all the details let's all the time. Let's move forward. So. Well, it's amazing to watch like your, like your one thing you think of or one thing that you pitch come to fruition. Like one small idea turn it into this big project and then see the see the results. That's just It's so satisfying. Yeah, it is, 100%. That kind of thing, that kind of project, you can't do that in a vacuum mm-hmm. in a company like ours. I mean, everybody is touched by this. Yep. If they're not touched yet, they will eventually <laughs> be touched by it. You've been and, warned. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so our director of operations, our CFO, our VP of sales, everybody is engaged in these kinds of projects to make them successful. Well, we're very excited about it. We do have an event that we will be, you know, announcing this and celebrating this partnership based on trust and growth. And it's an amazing accomplishment for both organizations. So really excited about that. And does it's just crazy to see how it came to fruition, to hear a little bit more yeah. about how you went to 
you know, your family and told them, like, I have this, I should let you know that I have this idea, like, what do you think? And then you got some pushback, but eventually, like, now it's come to fruition. Like Courtney said, it's really cool to see that happen. What's cool is that as a team, we built our strategic plan around um, really making our employee base and our partnerships with other businesses more diversified. Mm-hmm. Like we want to to really focus on that. And we set that out in January and this came to us mm-hmm. within months after that. So, you know, it's really interesting to see how when you build a strategic plan, sometimes you don't plan for how it's going to happen, you just know you want to make it happen. So when you see the opportunity, yeah. 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 when you, you see the opportunity, it. you grab it because exactly. you know that it's within where you where you want to go. Yeah. So that kind of ties into the question I was going to ask about, like your family values. So like your family's values is obviously community orientation is mm-hmm. one of them. Obviously, you want an inclusive culture. How else does your family values align with the family business? Mm. And how does that contribute to the success of this company? So I guess Mm -hmm. that's a really good example, the one you just talked about. But Mm -hmm. is there any others that you have? Yeah. You'll notice, like, um, as you've been working here, that you're kind of, for better or for worse, you're part of our family. (laughs) So that means um, examples of, you know, hard times are when we've had employees that are in the hospital. Mm -hmm. They're sick or their family has a family member that's sick. I've, I've been to the hospital to, yeah. to be there with them or my parents have, you know, we're there for those people because we treat you like you're a part of our family. Yeah. We'd be there for our family. We're there for you. So I think those values have been passed on to me for sure. Mm-hmm. That's the way I, I watched my family yeah. operate my whole life. So <laughs> I totally, from an employee can testify, like I do feel so celebrated my personal successes or hardships but also professionally as well and it does feel like a family like I feel like these people are my family even though I've been here for four years but like Courtney even has only been here six months and I'm like so connected and absolutely love working with her so I also think that value that family value that you guys have like treating you know your employees like family but I also think we treat our customers like family like I mean, we do have a lot of value add stuff like that you would do for a family member. You need help moving? Like, you know, we recently shared um, a story on our social page about one of our sales reps changing a customer's tire and his dress clothes. So, like, those values that start within your family, the core of your family that you guys have passed on to, like, this whole company because the employees feel that and then now our customers feel that too. So that's really interesting. Profit's really important. I mean, you have to stay profitable. You have to generate revenue. You have to do all the right things to run a company. But that's not why we're in business. That's a part of what's important to um, support all the families in this building and outside the building that we support. Like what my parents would say, their pride is when they drive into the parking lot and they see all these cars, they're like, wow, we're employing all these people. Mm -hmm. Like small business small businesses family businesses they're the ones that are employing i know the mass the majority of the people in this country mm-hmm. and so we're proud of being part of that and being able to support people in a really good way yeah. you know our, our our benefits every year we're working on making those benefits just a little bit better mm-hmm. and it's really expensive and it's a huge part of our mm-hmm. expense line every year but it's to me it's a really important part mm-hmm. You know, and our wellness program, we have a wellness program for our employees and we want to continue to make that better to incentivize people to have a healthier lifestyle because we want people to be able to come to work and feel good and happy and, and healthy. Yeah. Our family decided that this was going to be a non-smoking campus, right? Yep. And I remember as a kid being the guy who used to like pull the cigarette butts off the, off the ground and like that was my job. 
and <laughs> it's a really difficult habit to cut, right? Yeah. Tobacco is a really difficult habit to cut. But what we found was that people started cutting that habit because they weren't they weren't enabled to, to have that on campus. Yeah. Couldn't just walk out to the back or, or right out of the and take a break. Get stressed out and it's say a lot I need harder 15. now. Yeah. And, and and the wellness program means that if you smoke, your rates, your healthcare rates go up. Yep, you're and, more prone to. Yeah, and so we believe that with, you know if we can help keep people healthy, that's good for everybody, mm -hmm. right? And and we want to help take care of the people that work here. So absolutely, I think yeah. that's everyone feels that. And I know we were talking about yoga too. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> stay right. tuned for some yoga <laughs> on um, the campus. Okay, a couple more questions. So yeah. I don't want to take too much of your time. Very busy man. This is fun. I know it is yeah, fun, right? So much fun. So a couple more questions. This is a, this is the big one. Okay. Do you plan on keeping Hill and Marks within the next generation? So with your <laughs> children. So that is totally up to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, so I have four kids, um, 10, 8, 7, and 3. Aww. We'll check on those later to make yeah, sure they're right. No, I'm just be, kidding. <laughs> she's going to be doing a fact check on me. Um, so they all have such varied interests um, today and push them to continue to like follow those interests but I can tell you that like they get really excited to walk in this building they mm -hmm. get really excited to be um, at different events and that's all I can do is just expose them to what we do here I talk about it at the dinner table like yep. my family <laughs> did my wife's not in the business so maybe it's not as maybe not 90% of the yeah, conversation right. a little bit less but they like to hear about it it's always so great it's, when they come in the office yeah, they love it. Yeah, they they're so cute. They their energy. They yeah. bring their energy here. And they like to explore. Yeah. I they like like to get on the trucks. Like yeah. I've seen Benji get in the truck before yeah. and Yeah, and Linda likes it. was off, up. don't worry, I wasn't gonna drive it, but <laughs> <laughs> He was tempted. He, he would have if he had the opportunity. <laughs> but um, they also come to all of our community events too. Yeah. I think that's really cool for them to see. Yeah. Because they can really see like directly how we're affecting those who are in need. So yes. that kind of is important. It's an important lesson to learn as a young person anyway and then yeah. also to know that it's your family that's really spearheading that yeah all right so we'll see we won't know for a little bit until you know they have their first internship here or something right. that they're really interested in taking over but you have options yeah the opportunity is there will be there <laughs> um and you know just want them to pursue something that makes them happy and yeah i love that for. Yeah. it's good that you're not forcing it down on them either yeah, you know giving not. them the freedom yeah speaking of when your kids come visit the office, mm. what was one of your favorite memories of Helen Marks when you were younger? Mm. So, not the mail opening or the mm. cigarette butts, but like, what was one of the favorite memories that you had? I would say like going in the back of my grandfather's station wagon and grabbing a box of hubba bubba bubble gum. <laughs> um, no, I mean I I loved my favorite was driving. So my grandfather, when he was in his 80s, he was still working. And like every day, early in the morning, late yep. at night, and backing out of the driveway kind of ended up in the ditch sometimes. <laughs> His driving wasn't as good as it used to be, although I don't think it ever was fantastic. But we have he... that in common. <laughs> <laughs> and so my mom pulled me aside and she's like, this winter break, you're going to be driving grandpa around. He needs a, uh. he needs a driver. So suspending so whatever that time was probably almost a month. Like we, yeah. we spent invaluable. a lot of a lot of time together going to see his customers and stopping at the local diner and eating he, eating his tuna fish sandwich and it was just like a such a 
memorable time. It's, I mean, he's the reason why I really wanted to be here yeah. and keep his, his legacy alive. That was a very memorable time. And then I guess the second one I'd say is there was a ribbon cutting at Hill and Marks, the old building. So we're in our new building and the old building was Edson Street. And my mom said, we want to do a ribbon cutting. We want to have somebody like really famous come. And can you help us get Hillary Clinton? And so I said, I think I might be able to. I think because I was living in Washington, D.C. And and Hillary Clinton's office owed me something owed me a favor. Love that. So I called them up. A lot of IOUs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so I called their office up and I'm like, you know, we're, we're having a, a ribbon cutting and can you help me out? Can she come? And this is when she was senator? She was senator. Yep. She ended up coming for like two hours. Wow. She spent a lot of time here. She signed everybody's book and she gave a really rousing speech to everybody. Yeah. And um, she really was committed to small business and really making sure that politics is politics and you have to shake hands and do things but and she really doesn't she didn't need to spend time in upstate new york mm-hmm. she she has a different voting base down yeah. in new york city but <laughs> but she really did she spent a lot of time here and it was fun that's it was awesome. fun to have that's that awesome. that's especially cool. that you were able to to get her here too that's yeah. huge it was great oh, yeah. it was really exciting oh my gosh do you have connections to beyonce or taylor <laughs> swift or <laughs> next ribbon cutting beyonce i would really love taylor swift if you ever listen to this no <laughs> that's awesome though yeah Okay, so I think my last question yes. is going to be, what is your favorite thing about being a part of a family-owned business? Third generation. That is a very good question. Your favorite thing. My favorite thing about being a part of a family-owned business, freedom. Freedom to make good decisions. Freedom to be entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Freedom to be engaged in a way with with all the stakeholders that I think is falling in line with our values. And that really, I think, gives everybody else the freedom, you yeah. know, to be able to, and then again, to be able to grow the team around me, to find and keep, grow the people in our organization, to help them keep, you know, growing this company and taking care of each other and and being able to take care of everybody in this organization is really, it's a big responsibility, but it's, it's a whole hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, Jason, you exceeded all expectations. We just high-fived everyone. And (laughs) you were an amazing guest. You gave us a lot of insight into the company. I love your passion that runs. is like the fuel for Hill & Marks and the family aspect. It does start at the top, and the employees feel like family, customers feel like family, and that's all attributed to you and your family. So thank you so much for just being the best CEO ever. Thank Katie you. and Courtney, thank you for putting this together. This this was something I've been thinking about a long time and wanting to do, and you you got it together in a very quick period of time. So I appreciate that. There's going to be some people calling you and being like, hey, we'd like you on our podcast after yes. they hear this. We do have one more segment, so we'll be back after this sponsored ad, and we will come back with some rapid-fire questions. Okay, so now we're going to do a quick little fun game segment called Distribute This. Yep. Get on the edge of your seats, everyone. So basically what it is, is I'm going to say a word related to the distribution industry, and then you have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. So Sounds good. Are you ready? Are you able and ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. I don't know about able. Courtney, do you want to start? And then we'll kind of just volley back and forth. Yeah, I'll start. Okay. Go for it. Jansen. Sanitizer. Hill and Marks. Fun. 
Wholesale. Distribution. E-commerce. Social media. <laughs> Marketing. Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Hill and Marks puts the fun and family. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was just a quick little fun game I thought we could add to this. And again, Jason, you were a freaking rock star on this. Yes, Thank you this so amazing. much. Thank you so much. Wow. I learned Thank so much Thank you for today. having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. I was like fun. moved almost. Like I almost started crying at one point. So I I'm know. glad I wasn't, that wasn't on on the mic <laughs> you couldn't hear our tears you they were silent tears. They, they were they were visible but you couldn't hear them you but couldn't no, hear I was, our hearts I was well. truly moved your whole family story is just amazing and very inspirational you guys are pros because you drew it you drew it out of me so thank you for that we have something here that we're baiting him with that's right you said that now <laughs> there's candy in the background yeah, we have all the candy hubba bubba yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been the best and yes. just goes to show how you're such a great CEO and what an awesome family business Hill and Marks is. And it's been since 1906. Bye, guys. Thank you. Jason Packer, CEO. He really opened up, I think. And oh, yeah told us all about his story, his journey, where he started, gave us insight into the family-owned business, how he operates as a CEO. I really, really enjoyed listening to everything he had to say. I enjoyed it so much. It's it's great to get to know the person that you work for. It's, yeah. Because I feel like a lot of places you don't get that opportunity. You don't get the opportunity to know the owners. You don't get the opportunity to know your like leadership directly. And I feel like he definitely... He embodies what I would want to be as a CEO. Yeah, I think it's safe to say we're going to be buying him a best CEO mug after this. Oh, absolutely. So grateful that you joined, that he joined, and we got to talk to the CEO of our company. What an opportunity, and I hope you guys all enjoyed our first episode of Since 1906. More great combos to come. Thanks, guys. <laughs>